Brick Moon Fiction presents The Observation Log of Ms. Grace McKillip, Retired, by Kelsey N. Narrated by Sarah Golding. March 16. What's going on in there? I've been watching them. They come and go from that building, hidden away from the rest of us. So they're up to something. I'm the only one who knows. Other people, they they walk right past the place. They don't see what goes on. They don't hear the noises in the middle of the night, but I do. Looking out my window, I see it all. But what the hell are they hiding? I don't blame people not wanting to know. It's safer that way, but me, I've got nothing to lose anymore. You... You were the last good thing. What do they have in there? It's nothing wholesome, that's for sure. My hair stands up when I think about it, and that means trouble. Not rational, you always said, but I had to admit, I was right more often than not. You, You were the one who taught me how to observe, how to keep track of what I learned. All those years together, I, I learned a lot. So I'm starting a journal. I'll write it all down as kind of a, a tribute to you. We were a hell of a team, weren't we? <laughs> People need to know. You and me, Marion. We'll get to the bottom of this. March 17th. Grace, you'd always say, you've got to start with the facts. So, here's what I know. Location, a quiet little neighborhood on the West End, mostly residential. No houses on the street, though, and no through traffic. It's a wide loop off a side street, nothing but woods on the far side. There's only three buildings on the street. One's an elementary school, main buildings all the way to one side with the playing field in the middle. It's a good reputation. There's lots of kids. It's fun to watch once in a while when I'm not watching them. Other end is a retirement home, Westridge Estate, they call it. It's not much of an estate if you ask me, but like the school, it's, it's got a good reputation. That's why I came here when I couldn't stay home anymore. My room has um, it's a very good view. It's facing the playing field, just the, the right height to see what's going on. How do they get deliveries? Hmm? There's clearly activity in there, but no supplies come in the front door. I've heard a truck sometimes, usually late at night after most of the residence is asleep and the school's empty, but I can't see any headlights. Just a service road in the back? Why, what do they get delivered? What, what do they take away? The only visible entrance faces the street. A pale blue light sits above it, and when the door opens, I can see light from inside. Someone's paying the bills. Who? None of the maps I look at show a road. No building, either. City office has no record of it, and street numbers go from the school to the residence without a gap. 
once uh, staff members showed me how to use those maps they have on the computer, the ones with the, the photos, yeah? The bunker isn't there. If you go to step by step down the street, it's missing. Like, like you cut part out of a film and, and tape the ends together. There's something big going on, very big. I need to start hiding this journal. March 20. I woke up to the ground shaking. Nothing too violent, but I can't sleep well these days. I couldn't have been serious. Staff didn't even come by to check on me. Even so, I thought rumbles like that were rare on the East Coast. There was more than I wanted to write after sunrise, but my worker came. We can't let her see this journal. No way to know if she's involved with them, right? She's not part of the facility staff, so she might be safe. But I don't trust her. She's a tall, brown woman from somewhere in Africa. Somalia, I think, or Sudan. She's got this thick accent, so I'm not sure. Well, anyone would be suspicious of staff next door to the place. I mean, what about a trustworthy outsider? She's friendly, easy for others to open up to. A new immigrant would be the perfect cat's paw for them. I mean, she'd have leverage over her. What What did they promise her? Hmm? Or, or was it a threat? Her name is something Fosha, but I, I can hardly understand what she says. She, she tried to make small talk, asked me if I felt the tremor. People are blaming some new gas drilling operation outside of town. I mean, the whole thing just sounds too far-fetched to me, you know? Nothing more than, than gossips. There are, there are many more things, more important things to worry about, right under our noses. She wears a, a cloth on her head that hides her hair. It's usually blue, but sometimes other colors. It could be a signal to someone. March 23. A letter came today from an old contact of Marion's. He used to do research for her when she was investigating a, a big story. We all played a role. She would do all the active investigation, and, and he'd do background research and legwork. My job was organizing what the two of them dug up and let her bounce ideas off me. Those were good times. Fortunately, he was willing to put in a bit of work for old time's sake. It, uh, it felt good to be on a case together. One last time. Sometimes it feels like Marion is right there, waiting to see what connections we made. I never told him about the bunker, of course. It's too risky. Instead, his task was to look into the history of this part of town and, and just see if anything strange came up. The results were sparse, but interesting. A manhunt in the mid-1990s, following a prison break. Clusters of helicopters scanned the area for days. Eyewitness reported seeing people being loaded into vans during the period. Odd that it was so localized, given the jail is outside the city limits in a completely different direction. 
It was a rash of pet thefts in 1989, often with the leashes or chains cut right through. No suspects were ever identified. Coincidentally, there was a 4.4 magnitude earthquake in the region that year, enough to rattle windows, but uh, caused no actual damage. A series of sounds, like long, loud siren blasts in the 1970s. There was no official statement, and the area had no known facilities that would make those sounds. At the end of World War II, some soldiers mentioned the area in private diaries. There were rumors of particularly bad POWs sent to somewhere nearby. No internment camp or military base appeared on any official document. Further back, in the 1930s, a few references to relatives who left for a construction job in what was then nothing but woods. When they returned, weeks later, none would speak of the experience. All died young. Aside from those few documents, there were only a handful of legends from the local Mi'kmaq, or however they spell it these days, tribes. Tall tales about things like giants and spirits and wizards in prisons and caves. The usual stuff about the hero goose cap and so on. Nothing worth paying attention to. Writing my thank you letter. It strikes me that very few people write real letters these days. They all use email now, so using the post might look suspicious. I need to be more careful. March 27, Fosia. I looked up how to spell it. She's upset with me. It wasn't my fault. I mean, there was another tremor, a little stronger than the last in the middle of the night. I rarely sleep through the night to start with, so it took me at well over an hour to, to nod off, finally. After that... I was just in and out of consciousness, hallucinating government men chasing me until the ground cracked open and inhuman hands pulled me down. It's because they're damned Indians and their stories. I, I tried to warn her off with scowls and silence, but she insisted on being, oh, so chipper and friendly, and I, I still can't understand half of what she says. I, I don't need her. I, I don't want some stranger coming in and undressing me and getting so personal with my body. Everyone just needs to leave me alone. So I snapped. Who wouldn't? I don't care what kind of backwards rat hole of a place you come from, I told her. The least you can do is talk like normal people. None of this kalawala or whatever it is. Either speak English or shut the hell up. Even I was a bit surprised at how much venom was in my voice. I, oh, I knew I'd crossed a line, but I, I couldn't bring myself to, to back off. At first, I, I wasn't Sure, she heard me, but her shoulders stiffened for no more than a second. Where did she learn to hide her emotions so well? She didn't say anything and just finished putting my compression stockings on. By the time she looked up, there, there was this smile on her face that I... I bet most people couldn't tell from the real thing. <sighs> I knew it wasn't. Under all that professionalism, there had to be more. 
hurt or anger or, or just plain being offended. That should be everything for today, she said, her voice precise. Will there be anything else? I stammered out something like a no and wished her a good day. To be honest, I, I can't remember. Have I been on the wrong track with her all this time? I mean, surely someone sent to spy on me wouldn't react like that, would they? That's where I started to realize I, I could have been unfair. I wonder wonder if she'll ever come back. March 28. If there's one thing strange about the bunker, it's how strange it isn't. Bland is one thing. I, I can accept bland. I mean, there are bland buildings all over town, but the, the bunker, it's on such a, a deep level of uninteresting. It's, it's almost offensive. They built it that way on purpose. They know how people's brains work. It isn't only the building. Now, the vehicles in the lot are all identical and boring. No car buff will want anything to do with those vehicles. A thief would turn them down. They have no fancy hubcaps or, or spoilers or big engines. No decorations either. I mean, nothing is visible in the windows, nor are there any decals, little tails hanging from the aerials, not even a bumper sticker as far as I can see. Nothing but the same gray paint on the same unassuming cars. Correction? Nearly the same. There are little variations here and there. Nothing major. Is a, a higher fender or, or slightly more oval headlight as if they were different years of the same model. It's possible that that's exactly what they are. They, they have the reach and they have the fun. Is it that unrealistic to believe they'd have their own special lineup of vehicles? The drivers, too, are near identical. Medium height, both men and women, clean cut, sandy hair, no identifying marks I can pick out, even with binoculars. I mean, none of them wear glasses. They all wear the same outfit, what people call business casual. Not as, as fancy as a suit, but, but more than you'd wear to the pub. <laughs> I've, I've probably ridden the bus with hundreds of people who, who look the same and didn't notice one of them. A few stand out all the same. Like the cars, they, they have minor variations. I suppose if they actually were identical, that itself would attract attention. Yeah, they thought of everything. The first one I picked out was a man I call Slim for obvious reasons. Up until then, I was starting to think they were grown in a lab, like, like they say chickens are for fast food. Who knows? Maybe that's what they're up to in there making a new breed of human to take over. It was comforting, in a weird way, to see that one of them was a little taller and leaner than the rest, more human. That led me to take a, a closer look at the others, and sure enough, a few regulars stood out from the crowd, if only a bit. 
Shortstop, a comparatively petite woman with a fast gait, was the one I picked out next. Then came a handful of others. Two-tone Jack with his subtle streaks of gray, Fingers McGee who fidgets a little, the boss walking tall with his back straight, and well, the rest just still too alike to identify. Who are these people? What are they doing in a building that, that doesn't exist? March 29. Fosia came back. I was sure she wouldn't. I mean, the whole mess played over and over in my mind while she was gone. What I did was terrible. Insulting is the very best way I can put it. If I'm being honest with myself, it was a lot worse than that. Yet, when I look back at my entry that day, all I see is excuses. And Marion would say I'm better than that. She'd insist that I make things right. So I swallowed my nervousness and told Fulzio we needed to talk. You don't need to say anything, she said. I understand. Let it pass. No. No, this isn't something we can sweep under the rug. I I was rude to you for no good reason and a lot worse than that. It, it was cruel and it was demeaning. And I, I can't pass that off as being a, a bad-tempered old woman who had a bad night. She thought about it. Very well, then. Do you understand what you did? Show me, please. I was frustrated, I told her. Not by you as such, by... By a lot of things, nightmares, lack of sleep, feeling helpless. I I didn't see you as a person. You you were an imposition, okay? All all the more because you're you're so different from what I'm used to. Your your accent, your skin, that that headscarf of yours, even your attitude. I, I rejected all of it. There was a silence between us for a while. Fosia, I'm sorry for everything. I'll try to do better, be better. This time she smiled, a real one. I believe you will, Grace. Now then, we need to get you dressed for breakfast. Roll to the side, please. And that was that. April 7. It's this place's fault. I never wanted to come here, but they said I couldn't stay at home anymore. It's too many stairs for a woman who can't walk, too expensive to maintain on nothing but my pension and Marion's benefits. Better to be somewhere I can get proper care, but still have my own space. (laughs) If I was at home, I wouldn't have let my guard down like this. So you lose track of time here. Every day is like every other day. The only things that change are the meals and the activities I never attend. Fosia takes one day off a week, but between her morning and evening visits, I live in a world where the only benchmarks are the end of the school day at the elementary and the comings and goings from the bunker. They don't have shifts there. Any other business has a rhythm. Quitting time, the morning rush, smoke and coffee breaks, but not at the bunker. 
No, people come and go haphazardly and always alone. Sometimes one of the ones I recognize will arrive only to leave an hour later. Other times they'll stay for almost a week. It's unpredictable, and that oh, that throws me off. I mean, sometimes sometimes I don't know what hour of the day it is. So it's no surprise that I still had the journal in my hand when I heard Fozier at the door. I didn't notice it was already evening. Oh, it's embarrassing to say that I panicked. Marion was the one who was cool in a crisis, not me, and all I could think of was getting it out of sight fast, so I stuffed it under my mattress. I know she saw me. Her poker face is perfect, but I know it. She's a professional. She's always looking for signs of, of changing behavior. Dementia, mental deterioration, paranoia, old people things. She won't report it. Not yet, but she'll be watching me. April 9th. I was watching the parking lot tonight, still trying to decide what to do about Fozia. As dusk was coming on, shortstop and the boss arrived in the same car. Now, this was new behavior, so it caught my interest immediately. Instead of going straight in, they opened the trunk instead, and there was a large oblong package wrapped in what looked like burlap. Each of them took an end and, with some effort, hauled it into the bunker. I swear to God, it was wriggling. April 9, 3.30 a.m. I don't have dementia. I'm not one of those crazy old people who make up crazy stories. What's going on at that bunker is real. It's all real. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. April 12. It's been days now, and she hasn't said anything, even though we chat more than we used to. That means she's monitoring me, looking for changes. That's what medical people do, huh? Or maybe she expects I've been hoarding like the woman down the hall does with bananas. Fozia, as it turns out, is easy to talk to once you get used to her accent. A little effort, that's all it takes. It's not like I have anyone else to talk to anyway. Most of our friends are gone now, Marion, and the few who remain are, are far away, living in residences like this one. Well, the question isn't whether I can be her friend. I'm not looking for a friend. What I need is someone I can trust. For almost a week, I've been trying to decide if I can, but as Marion would say, at some point... You need to suck it up and take a chance. <sighs> Give me strength, love. I'll need it. April 13. She doesn't believe me. <gasps> oh, no surprise there. At least she agreed to keep my journal confidential, so I count that in the win column. <sighs> Fozia knows how to keep a secret. If they were going to apply pressure to her, surely they would have done so by now. For all her skepticism, I, I still managed to plant a seed of doubt. I asked her to describe her walk to work in as much detail as she can. You know, she parks at the other end of the street when the lot is full, and I've seen her walk the length of the loop several times. 
Sure enough, she tells me all about the school and the children who play there, the field where they play before classes start, the trees and the spots where the sidewalks are uneven thanks to winter frost. And, and then, seamlessly, she describes the walk up to the residence. And that's, that's where I stop her. Nowhere does she mention the bunker. It's like she doesn't see it, even though she passes it every day. In fact, she almost can't, given it's designed without a memorable thing about it. We have to go over to the balcony and look directly at the place, at the path she takes right in front without so much as a glance a moment I can see it in her eyes, that flash of insight. But then she puts that poker face back on and I let her go. April 15, 4, 15 a.m. There are lights in the woods. I, I catch glimpses as they move, shining all around, even upwards into the branches. I, I see one light where the bunker's roof should be. It flashes on and off through the leaves like a signal. What are they looking for? Or who? April 28. Two weeks since the last entry and the tremors have been happening more often. Most people seem to be used to them as if this is normal. A few protest the drilling operation, but even I can see that's futile. Strange thing is... How the intensity changes, alternating between light rumbles and, and something a, a little bit stronger. It, it feels like a, a ping-pong match, and I'm, I'm sitting all the way to one side, so the sound of the paddles are, are different. This is silly, of course, earthquakes don't work like that, but they shouldn't be this frequent either. Fosia checked license plates in the parking lot on this life for me. There's nothing obvious, a, a glance here and there she passes, and then I write them down after in my journal. Once we had a, a dozen or so, I sent them off to Marion's old contact. As expected, he couldn't trace a single one. Non-existent cars in front of a phantom building. I, I won't be sending him any more requests. I, I've already put him in enough risk. But these results, they surprised Fosia. She's starting to come around. May 15, 11 p.m. Fosia's sitting on the bed with me, shaking. She believes me now, but there's a little comfort in that. I've been working on her for weeks now. Bit by bit, I've been giving her information. Not all at once, easing her into the idea that something big is going on. So so tonight I, I figured we were ready to take things to the next level. The tremors aren't the only things getting more frequent. The trucks I hear late at night have too. Something is going on. It all ties together somehow, but I, I can't go see for myself. The, the staff would never let me, so... I managed to convince Fozia to come back one evening to take a look in the woods on my behalf. At best, I hope she would confirm there really was an access road. Instead, she found men with guns wearing the same outfits as the workers in front, waiting by a large service door. 
She stayed back, out of sight as a truck with its lights out arrived and backed into place. Nobody said a word, and they moved almost silently to set up a ramp with bars on the side. What came down that ramp was unexpected. Goats, of all things, dozens of goats. She sat there, staring until the last of them ran through and the ramp got stowed away. Strange, yeah, even disturbing, but that's not what has got her so rattled. It's what she heard as the guards pulled the door closed behind them. A deep, echoing voice that slipped out of that narrow crack as if making its escape. A voice unlike anything she heard before, speaking a single word in a language neither of us knew. She tried to repeat it back in my room, but her mouth refused to form the sounds. There was something strange about it, like it came from a throat far different from ours. What the hell are they doing in there? May 16th. We're comrades now, she and I. Not quite friends, but no longer mere caregiver and client. It's the closeness of the battlefield or, or the besieged. We can't tell anyone what we know, or at least the bits and pieces we're sure of. We, who would believe us if we did? Some old woman whose mind is going in an overworked immigrant wiping asses for a living. Don't be stupid. More dangerous would be if someone did believe us. We both know that they wouldn't let us walk away. We'd find out firsthand what they did with those goats. We talk more now, telling each other about our histories, like we're compelled to open up if something happens to one, at least the other one will remember, until they come for her too. Posia told me about her family. Three children, all young, and a husband who works at the container pier. The nice home in Fairview the two of them put all their savings into, and how she worked as a nurse back in Somalia. Emergency room, she says. It sounded like relief in her voice when she mentions that her qualifications didn't carry over to her new country. It's working with the dying either way, but I guess this isn't so stressful. I mean, with a background like that, her professional attitude isn't surprising, huh? I spoke about you, Marion. You you were always the biggest part of my life. I, I talked about the stories you wrote and the journalism awards I was so proud of. They're still on my walls, even here. About the early days when we had to hide our relationship and the shock when it became acceptable. More or less. Almost overnight. Fosia smiled when I told her about how you refused to get married even after it became legal because we already had everything we need. And then bad luck and cancer took you away. Time took everything else. See, that's, that's why I'm doing all this, I told her. The journal spying on the bunker, getting our contact involved, and, and you as well, my, my tribute to Marion. She taught me to make sure I have all the facts and never give up until I get to the bottom of things. It's my way of living up to her example. 
I believe you're doing something important, Fazia said, and I am certain she'll be very proud of what you're doing here. I smiled back at her. A happy feeling I, I haven't known in years settling into my heart. May 16, 1.30 a.m. can't forget how good it feels to be believed, to be validated. I mean, maybe, maybe this is what I've wanted from the start, someone to tell me that I'm still worth something, that I'm not a crazy old lady. I mean, am I doing this for you anymore, Marion, or, or for me? I miss you. May 18. The tremors come several times a day now. Sometimes I convince myself they're words in that alien language rolling through the earth back and forth between giants. What am I not seeing? I feel so close to getting it. May 20. The answer was right there. Almost from the start, Fosia with one innocent question handed me the key to understanding this whole mess. They built the bunker in the 1930s, she said, looking over my journal again. But do you think there was something special about the site before that? There were already homes not far away, so why not a more remote location? That One comment made me rush back to my notes to the scant historical data I had. There it was, the element that in my arrogance I wrote off as meaningless. There was no time to waste. Although I'd wanted to keep him out of it, I contacted Marion's old contact for one last rush job, possibly the most important of his career. Every scrap of folklore, every story passed along, any tiny piece of information about the the mythic battles fought on these lands, nothing was too fantastic or or trivial. Fosia, meanwhile, was tasked with scouring the library and bookstores. I needed an understanding of the local First Nation tribes and how they passed their folklore on, what cultural assumptions they made. If I was to understand the data... I needed context. Together, we went over that data. There was little enough, but even so, it took us days to collate and organize. And With two sets of eyes and two widely different points of view, we, we tried to grasp the shape of events far in the past and, and distorted by time, retelling an, an embellishment. Oh, oh, what a picture it was. Throwing away my preconceptions was difficult. I, I spent my whole life believing in the physical, the so-called rational, yet here I was asked to accept magic and, and spirits as not only real, but on the verge of, of bursting into the world once more. Yet in light of what we knew and the inhuman voice Fosia heard, I, I couldn't avoid that conclusion. She helped me through my personal crisis, and together we assembled a disturbing picture indeed. The word wizard in the stories turned out to be misleading. These were much, 
more powerful, far less human things which preyed on humans without pity. They were overwhelmingly powerful, fearsome monsters. The battle that took place here was legendary in the literal sense. It it raged for months, if not years, and untold lives were lost, but the humans prevailed thanks to the help of heroes, powerful in their own right, subduing and imprisoning it deep within the earth. For generations, the tribes kept watch against anything that would rouse the creature. When the Europeans displaced them, rather than simply abandon their responsibility, they passed it on to the new residents. Those who built the bunker were never conspirators planning something terrible. No, they were jailers trying to prevent it. And yet, I couldn't respect them. How dare they keep all this a secret? Even now, when the danger literally beneath our feet is about to break free, they continue with their deception. It's wrong. It's it's offensive. The the arrogance of allowing people to build their homes and businesses right, right where they're most vulnerable and taking such great pains to cover up. It's astounding. Flies in the face of everything Marion stood for. She, she wouldn't stand for this, and I, I can't either. I, I finally understand. I'll need Fozzie's help, but my next step is clear. May 29. I'm alone now. Fozzie left two days ago carrying my, our message to the world. She collected her family and fled west, away from the bunker. I have faith she'll get clearer and put what we learned in as many hands as possible. The wizard's escape seems inevitable now. Ah, the tremors, the... Turned out to be words, after all, with enough power behind them to be felt in neighboring provinces and all the way down to the states... Sea lanes aren't safe anymore, the sea churning with echoes. My blood, too, rolls at the thought of how we're all kept in the dark. The government started finally evacuating the area under some pretense or other, but it won't be enough. And when it's free, the whole region will be at risk, never mind only the city. Won't go back into that hole without a hell of a fight, and it's been saving its strength until now. So despite my anger, I'm I'm satisfied in a way I, I haven't in years. You know how that felt, didn't you, Marion? The feeling when you've exposed a cover-up to the world for the public good. Yeah, that was your calling, and I... I hope I lived up to it. Many will die. Oh, so many. But I, I managed to save at least a handful of lives. Or maybe a lot more in the long running. This can't be the only one of its kind hiding under a suburb somewhere and waiting for a shot at freedom. I mean, once people know what to look for, someone will find them and demand answers. I, I have faith that they will. The ground heaves, the worst tremor so far. 
Arcane words rumble through the earth, toppling trees in their wake. My balcony finally falls off, and the glass on the patio door shatters, drawing my attention. At the far end of the loop, I see military vehicles assembling. Now, where were they hiding those, I wonder? They're the wrong tool for this sort of fight. Still, I wish them well. I can respect a futile struggle. Little lights catch my interest, and I see smaller figures scattered across the playing field, building bonfires and forming into circles around them. The scent of sage comes through my broken windows, and I understand who they are. The very descendants of the people who put the wizard down there in the first place. I admit I am a little surprised, for as disrespected as their people have been over the past couple of centuries, no one would blame them for leaving the invaders to face this alone. To see them here on the the front lines is it's inspiring. The front doors of the bunker fly open as workers finally flee, unable to hold it back any longer. I spot what I'm sure is short stop on front of the pack, running like she'll outdistance death itself. She won't. Nobody here will. For the back I see Slim lose his footing and vanish beneath the crowd, trampling him in their panic. The journal in my hands feels like it's a talisman, comforting in the midst of chaos. Everything in it was copied into the package Fosia carries, as detailed and convincing as possible. I, I insisted on keeping the original with me. It's been my companion from the start, and I want it with me at the end. We did good, didn't we, Marion? Fosia and I and our old friend... Even your ghost watching over as I I hope you've been watching. I'll know soon. One final tremor that shakes your wards off the wall, and I I know it's time for the main event. I wheel myself over to the broken window for the best seat in the house. Oh, this is one show I wouldn't dare miss. I write as fast as I can despite the unsteady earth to record these last few moments. Maybe no one will ever see them. Part of me says it doesn't matter. Trees fall away from the bunker, opening up the view like I've never seen before. Cracks fork down the middle of the roof, parts of it falling inward to reveal an unnatural darkness. I know immediately it's not natural, and from that void comes a shout that shatters the air. The creature is there. It is angry and much more powerful than I could ever have imagined. Out of the split come hands, huge malformed fingers with wicked nails that can and soon will tear those tanks asunder like soft rolls. They force the bunker apart, opening the way to freedom. Are you proud of me, Marion? For this one last grand expose, I even managed to submit it before the deadline. I love you.
Kelsey N is a proud Canadian woman living in the nation's capital, Ottawa. She has been everything from an office worker to a home care aide to a dishwasher to an animation student before finally dedicating herself to writing. Several of her stories are available free on her website, The Book of Kells. Sarah Golding is the host of the audio drama production podcast, that's me, hello, and can be found as a variety of diverse characters in various audio dramas, notably Drunk Helen in the Scottish podcast, Marion in Edict Zero, Lizzie and Grandma in Winnebago Warrior, Lilay in the Amelia podcast, Alia and Ancestry, and so much more. Uh, feel free to follow on Twitter using hashtag Sarah of Golding. Brick Moon Fiction is awesome. Uh, happy creating all.